גמרא ראש השנה דף כ"ו, מסכת בן דרי קרן רפואה שלמה, שמעון בן שמחה אין לה רפנדו בתוך שאר חולי עמו ישראל, אמן. תראי זאפ בן דרי קרן רפואה שלמה, חיה שרה בת שמחה, אין לה רפנדה בתוך שאר חולי עמו ישראל, אמן. So we begin today's דף on the bottom of כ"ה עמוד ב', so we had yesterday a piece from the Mishnah, what let's say uh, some of the uh, rabbis of the Bedin actually saw the sighting of the new moon. So we said that uh, some of them become witnesses and those witnesses will testify in front of their colleagues. So it comes out that you have some witnesses that are going to become judges. Now that's a big uh, controversy in itself whether an Edna Ased Dayan can a witness uh, to a matter become a dayan. So the Gemara says from the Mishnah, it sounds like it can. You want to tell me that Edna said that? So that means that Mishnah is not going like Rabbi Akiva. Let's say the Sanhedrin itself, uh, the 23 rabbis, they saw somebody murder. So the law is, we have a mahlokan on that. Miksatan na'asu edim, right? Some of them become witnesses. Umiksatan na'asu dayanim, and the other ones become dayanim. Who's that opinion of? That's the opinion of Rabbi Tarfon. So Rabbi Tarfon says that indeed, ed na'ase dayan. However, Rabbi Akiva argues, Rabbi Akiva says, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Kulan Asin Edim. They all become Edim. Why? Because a judge cannot become, uh, an Ed cannot become a Dayan. For the simple reason Rabbi Akiva holds, especially by capital punishment cases, as we're going to see, the Pasuk says, that the judges have to try to figure out a way to save the uh, person from a death penalty. The Torah is not interested in executing people. So therefore, it's going to be impossible for this judge to find any redeeming factor if he actually saw it. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva says, En ed na'asedayan. So the Gemara comes along and says, Amishnah cannot be Rabbi Akiva. Afilu tema Rabbi Akiva. Akano kama Rabbi Akiva hatam elam bidin nefashot. The Rahman amar b'shafetu a'eda we can make a simple distinction between the two cases. The case that Rabbi Akiva said is a capital punishment case. And the rule is that the judges really have to try to exonerate. And they have no chance to exonerate if they actually saw the crime itself. In that case, but in the case of Kiddush HaChodesh, we don't have that uh, 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 condition, you don't have that problem. So could even Rabbi Akiva will say, indeed, Ed Naase Dayan. Okay, let's read Rashi. Top line, Miksatan Naasin Edim. You need, in all cases, you need uh, uh, witnesses to come and testify. So that's why Rabbi Tafon says the two testify in front of the colleagues. 
הראוי להעיד איתלר לבית הכל נעשה דיין, אבל עד עצמו Right, let, let's make something very clear. Although the Bitterfon says that Ed Naase Dayan, but he becomes an Ed, that's it. You, you, you can't do both roles. You, the Ed cannot be a Dayan as well. You know, somebody that's a Dayan can be an Ed, that's it. He cannot sit on the court at the same time. Meaning he can't testify and then sit on the bench and start to decide the case. And he becomes an Ed, and they have to take some other guys off the bench to fulfill fill these guys' places in order to get to 23. You see that clearly from our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, let them testify and then bring other rabbis to join the court. What do you have to bring other rabbis for? Let the witnesses just jump back on the court. Ella, they can't jump back on the court. Once the Ed is an Ed, he cannot become a Dayan. But the point is, even though he was a Dayan to start off with, he can become a, he can become an Ed. Okay, now we go to the next Mishnah. Now, Rabbi we get to the last part of Masichet Rosh Hashanah, and we start to talk about the mitzvah of Shofar, the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah. And the Mishnah begins, Kol shofarot kishirim. All Shofarot are kishirim, for Rosh Hashanah. Rashi says, Ben Shel Ayil, Ben Shel Ya'il. I don't care what it's from, uh, whether it's a Ayil, a ram, or a Ya'il is a, uh, a type of uh, goat. Doesn't matter. All the Shofarot indeed are going to be uh, Kesheri. So the Gemara says, Hut Mishnah says, Hut Mishel Parah, except the cow, because the cow's horn is not called the Shofar. It's called the Keren, and therefore a Keren is not Kashir. Torah says Shofar. Now we're going to have to see what makes a Shofar, a Shofar, and what makes a Keren, a Keren, but a cow is a Keren, the, hor- the horns. The Gebra says, I don't know what you mean, the Tanakama. Amar kol shofarot All Shofarot are called Keren. Like it says in the Pasuk in Yehoshua, Shnei Emar, Bimshoch, Bekeren, Hayovel. Which means, over there they were talking about a shofar, and the, the uh, pasuk refers to it as a, uh, a keren, keren ayovel. So now, we have a big mahloket over here. Can you use a shofar from a para? So let's read Rashi. Kol shofarot. Ben shel ayel, ben shel ya'el, shehu keren, eno karui shofar. Begabe yom ha-kipurim shofar ketiv, behaabarta shofar teru'ah, Ah, so that's the that, that, that's the uh, the formula we have over here. But Yom Kippur it says what? That's referring to the Yom Kippur of Yovel, because there's really no obligation to blow shofar on a regular Yom Kippur. Only a Yom Kippur of the Yovel year, and we learn Rosh Hashanah from Yovel. So therefore, just like by Yovel it says shofar, so too by Rosh Hashanah we mean shofar. Because I guess by Rosh Hashanah, interestingly enough. It does not say the word shofar. It just says utkatem, you know, teruah. It says blow, blow, blow a teruah. But by, it doesn't say what, the, what, what type of instrument it has to be. But by uh, Kippur, it says the word shofar. And we make a gezerah shabbah, and we learned the laws of Yovel from, uh, from, uh, from Rosh Hashanah. And therefore what? It comes to teach us that it has to be a shofar. 
Continue, Bekel na Yovel. Yovel dechrahu, kid mefaresh pegemara. Yovel is actually the uh, the male, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see exactly that in the Gemara what the ramifications are. Okay, so that is the um, that is the Mahlok and Tanakama and and the uh, Biyoseh. Now, the, the Rishonim over here have a problem with the language of the Mishnah. If you look at the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Kol HaShofarot Kesherim. All Shofarot HaKesherim, which sounds like, including the para. And then you say, Chut Meshel Para. And then you take away the para. Well, make up your mind. You just said, Kol HaShofarot. The language includes it, and then right away, takes it back. But it would, my point is, it sounds like that a a uh, a shofar of a para is a shofar. And now you're calling it a kenin. Call a shofarot kishirim. Chutz mishil para, which means except the shofar of a para, because the shofar of a para is called a kenin. <laughs> That's a stira like. So the Ritva comes along and says that really the, um, the quality of a shofar and the quality of a kenin is different. What's the quality of them? A shofar is hollow. Shofar melashon shefoferet. It's hollow. You take it off the, uh, the, the animal's head, and it's a, it's a hole in it, finish, empty. A keren, you have to chisel out. So the chadush over here is that even though the, pa, the para's horns are hollow, so therefore they have the quality of shofar. They don't have the quality of keren. But nonetheless, the pasuk refers to it as keren. And therefore, since the pasuk refers to it as keren, even though it technically has the nature of shofar, it's still going to be uh, pasul. That's the uh, that's the hadush over here. Okay, Rabotai. Beautiful. Now we get to the Yamara. Shapir Kamara Biyose. Biyose has a good claim. What was the Biyose's claim in the Mishnah? I don't know what you're talking about. All shofarot are called Kedin. <laughs> According to you, that you're saying that the, uh, the shofar of the para is called Kedin, Tanakama, and that's why it's disqualified. Well, every shofar is called Kedin. That was the Biyose's claim. So therefore, according to you, all shofarot should be pasul. Rabbanan, kol shofarot ikru shofar ve'ikru Kedin. The para keren ikri shofalo ikri. That's the difference. All of the shofarot, you can go both ways. Sometimes they're called shofar, sometimes they're called keren, but at least they're called shofar. A para is never called shofar. Para is always called keren. How do we know? Here's the source pasuk. Bechor shorot. This is referring to the berachah that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the tribe of Yosef. Bechor shorot. Hadar lo. Bechanereem. Kanaf, which means it's comparing yourself to a shor. Shor is the ox, which is like the cow. And it compares the cow in this pasuk to a re'em. Re'em is a type of animal. And we know it says over here, v'kane re'em kanaf, which means the re'em, for sure, it's called keren. So it's comparing the shor to the re'em. Just like the re'em is a keren, so to the shor, the, the shor is a keren. So therefore you see that what? Para is no good. Para is exclusively called Kedin. 
So the Gemara comes along and says, What does the Biyosi do with that Pasuk? What do you mean? We have Pasukim in Tehillim that clearly say that what? It's also called Shofar. How do we know? Dikhtiv. V'titav lahashem mishor par. We're going to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mishor par. What is shor par? An ox bull. Now make up your mind. The Gemara says, Im shor lama par. V'im par lama shor. Right, you're going to give God a Thanksgiving korpan from shor par. What is a shor par? Either a shor or a par. So the Gemara says, Elamai shor par, mishofar. Uh, combine the words, which means it's coming to say that uh, we're going to bring uh, David's going to praise a Kadosh Baruch Hu, and the praising that a Kadosh that he's going to give a Kadosh Baruch Hu is even more pleasurable to God, me Shofar, from a Shofar. And therefore, what, what's the proof over here? But the Pasuk is referring to a Shofar as Shor Par. So you still see what? That a shor is compared to a shofar from this pasuk over here. So therefore you see still it's considered shofar. Look at that. She shor shehupar. Shor shehupar. The one, the one before that. Vititab lashem. Tefilati. Right. So therefore you see what? The pasuk is referring to a Shor, and the play on the words is Shofar. So you see from this Deraj, it's called the Shofar. So the Yabarak comes along and says, Verabanan kinderab matna. Now, what did Rabbanan do with this? The Amar of Matna, my Shor par, Shehu Gadol Kapar. Simple. Shor par, that God rather the praises. Then a korban. What type of korban? A shor that's even big like a par. <coughs> shor par. A shor that is full grown like a par. Now, so that's the first reason why the rabbis say shor, uh, 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 horn of a para is no good. Unsuitable for shofar. Why? Because it's called a keren. And keren is not a shofar. Ula gives a different reason. Ula amar. Hainu ta'amad rabbana. Kedrav chazda. The Amar of Chazdam, Epnema, and Kohen Gadol Nichnas, the Big Day Laban, the Fnai Vidifnim, the Avod Avodah. Why doesn't the Kohen Gadol wear his golden clothes, the Big Day Zahavan Kippur, when he goes into the Kodesh Kodashim? Lefish and Katigon, Asa Sanikor, famous Kemara. The prosecutor cannot become the defender. And therefore, gold reminds God of the Hetaegel. So you cannot go pray to God in the Kodesh Kodeshim and ask for mercy, bringing in the prosecutor with you. So therefore, that the Shofar invokes the mercy of God, we cannot use a para. It reminds God of the Hetaegel. And therefore, nothing to do with Keren and Shofar. It's very simple. It's a prosecutor. And a prosecutor cannot be a defender. So the Gemara says, wait, Velo, Veika Dampar. What are you talking about? On Yom Kippur, one of the things we actually sprinkle in the Kodesh Kodashim is the blood of the par. That's one of the Kurbanot that's brought. So you actually bring, forget about a Shofar, you're bringing the par's blood into the Kodesh Kodashim. How come you're not worried about Katigon Asasanigor? 
says, no, which means it changed. It separated, which means originally the blood was part of the, uh, 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 of the pot. But now you removed it. Once you removed it, its quality changes as well. And therefore it can now give, uh, give mercy. As she says, It's one thing, a horn of the pod. You see it. See, you could tell that this horn came from a pod. Imagine when you look at blood, blood is blood. Not necessarily like a pod anymore. So therefore it's okay. And we read the Gemara like this. Since it has changed, so the ishtane, its its quality changes. That it goes from katigor to sanigor. It goes from a prosecutor to a defender. So the Gemara says, hold it. If you went into the Kodesh Kodashim, every piece of furniture is made out of gold. The aron is made out of gold. The kaporet, which is the cover, is made out of gold. The kiruv is made out of gold. That's the cherubs. So if you're telling me oh, gold is a katigor, then what, we, what is all that stuff doing in the Kodesh Kodashim? We're not against gold. It's a specific item. We're talking about for korbanot, which means if a person is a sinner, a sinner should not use gold in order to atone. So the says, ah, so when it comes to korbanot, you can't use gold. Very good. Which means when they brought the ketoret, which is like a korban, and they brought it in the Kodesh Kodashim, if you remember. So they brought it in a ladle, and they brought it in a pan. And they were made out of gold. So the Gemara says, no, which means the sinner should not adorn himself. Which means when you're wearing the begadin, that's an adornment. But Mashi'enken, the, uh, the ladle and the pan, that's not a, a, an adornment. That's a functional item. So therefore, we, we, we keep on narrowing it down. You shouldn't adorn yourself uh, with something that's made out of gold at a moment that you're trying to bring the kapara. So the Gemara comes along and says, wait, but you have big days, the Kohen Gadol wears the gold investments on Kippur outside the Kodesh Kodeshim. <coughs> wait, how do you let him wear the gold outside? Gemara says, no, no, another, another restriction. We're only talking about when you're in the Kodesh Kodashim. Wow. So it's only Kodesh Kodashim. It's only items that are of adornment, not functional kelim. And it's only at the time of Kapara. That's where Enkatigon Asasadigon. So the Gemara asks the obvious question. The Gemara comes along and says, Shofar Namimibahotsu. Hold it. Where do you blow the Shofar? You don't blow the Shofar in the Kodesh Kodashim. You blow the shofar outside the Kodesh Kodeshim. So the Chaura, you should be able to use a cow's horn. Because there's no law of Katigon Nasas Sanigor or En Katigon Nasas Sanigor Bachutz. Famous Gemara Rabotai. Kevan Delezikaronu. Since the shofar is to cause God to remember us favorably. Kebifnin Amazing. It's equivalent to a service performed inside the Holy of Holies, which is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing.
What about the seats has a half? Before you get to the seats as a half, which which is a um, the seats as a half. What's the question about the seats as a half? He's wearing gold and going into the Kodesh wearing gold. No, he doesn't wear gold in the Kodesh. He wears the big day Laban in the Kodesh. No seats, okay. Seats only outside. The seats is not one of the four. The seats is one of the eight. The big day Zahab. The point is, Rabotai, a tremendous Hadush, like what I was saying. When you blow Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, it's like you're in the Kodesh Kodeshim. That's the whole reason why you're not allowed to use a, a short of a para, because it's Bifnim. It's incredible. That means the moment of shofar transports the kahal into the Kodesh Kodashim, which is an amazing, amazing thing over here. You also have to say um, that it's considered an adornment. It's not a begging, obviously, the shofar, but you have to say that uh, since, uh, hence, using a cow's horn for this purpose is equivalent to wearing the golden vestments. That just like the golden vestments, they bring the tefillah up to Kadosh Baruch Hu Kiviachol. So therefore, the shofar has a similar item. It transports the prayers to God Himself. <clears throat> Even though the shofar blowing is not a personal adornment, which Tosfot points out, and is not brought into the Holy of Holies, is considered as it is. It's amazing, Hatush. So the Gemara says, Okay, very nice. You proved your point. You can't blow a shofar of a para and katigon nasasanigor. That's all fine and then. The only problem is the Mishnah doesn't say that. The Mishnah says that the reason for Tanakama is because it's a keren, not because of katigor and sanigor. Gemara says, no, it's a second reason. Hada veot kamar. It's a second reason. Hada the en katigon nasasanigor. Firstly, because of the en katigon nasasanigor. The odd. And secondly, so there's two reasons. The Mishnah gave you one of two. But the Biyosei Amalecha. Now, what is the Biyosei going to say with this? The Biyosei says you can use it. Which means he doesn't hold of this whole business that you're blowing the Shabbat outside and it's considered like it's inside. It's outside. It's not in the Kodesh Kodashim. And the rule of is only in the Kodesh Kodashim proper. What are you going to do with the Keren? So he says, I told you that already. All Shofarot are called Keren. So if you're going to disqualify uh, 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 the, the, the Shofar of a Para, then you have to disqualify all of them. They're all considered Keren. That's his answer back. Abaye Amar, new reason. So, so far we have two reasons for Rabbanan. Why Shofar is not rendered good. Number one, it's called the Keren. And number two, En Katigon Asasanigor. Now the Gemara presents a third reason. Abaye Amar, Hainu Ta'amad Rabbanan. This is the reason for Rabbanan. Shofar Amar Rahmana, Velo Shnaim Ushlusha Shofarot. You can't blow two Shofarot at a time. For example, you put a small Shofar in a big Shofar and blow it together. Torah says one shofar, not two or three. de para, kevan de kagilde gilde, mitchazek, ishnaim, shofarot. The shofar of a para keeps on growing, and it looks like layers and layers that are, you know, growing on top of each other. So therefore, it's like a shell, and then it grows another layer, and then it grows another. So it looks like it's many shofarot. 
So therefore, the, the image of it looks like many shofarot. Therefore, it's not good. Look at that she on the bottom. Gilde, gilde. Right, Gil is like a shell. So the shell just keeps on, you know, expanding uh, every year. So it looks like it's uh, many shofarot. That's why you can't blow it. Oh, the Gemara says, but the Mishnah didn't say that. But the Tana said, Keren, that's the reason. It's the second reason. Yeah, number one is the reason just Abaye said. Because the Torah says one shofar and not two. Now what is Abi Yosei going to say? Exactly. It's not, it's not two or three shofarot. It's one shofar, they're attached. When do we say... Two shofarot is no good. When you take one shofar and put it in a big shofar, it's mamash two shofarot. Here it's attached. It's just a continuation of the growth. It's true, it's growing on top of each other. It might look like two shofarot, but it's really not. It's one solid piece. That's not a problem of shte shofarot. I what about the keren issue? I told you that already. Okay, now Rabotai, the Gemara digresses for a minute. And the Gemara is now going to start getting into some words, the meaning of words. So we start. How do you know the word Yovel is referring to a ram? Now, where do we see that? Because we quoted the Mishnah. The Mishnah said what? When you will blow, Keren Ayovel. Keren Ayovel is referring to the, the horn of a Yovel, of a, of a ram. Now where do you see the word Yovel is considered like a uh, ram? Where do you see that word? Which is a, uh, a male. So the Gemara says, the Tanya. We have a Braita. Amar Abi Akiva, Keshalachti La'Arabia, when I went to Arabia, are you calling the Dikhra Yubla? Very good. They called the Ram a Yubla. When I went to Galia, are you calling the Nida Galmuda? They were called a lady. That was Nida. They called her a Galmuda. My Galmuda. It's a contraction of a couple of words. That what are they basically saying? This lady is separated from her husband. Gimula, meaning separated. Da, this one, me ba'ala, because she's in Nida. Ve'amar bi'akiva, kesharakti l'Afriki. When I was in Africa, hayu korin lema'a kesita. So the uh, the money that's called the ma'a, they would refer to ma'a as a kesita. Lema'inaf kamina, what difference does it make? What do you care how they uh, give the terminology to their money? No, so, we, so now we can understand the pasuk in the Torah. The word when it says that Yaakov Abinu bought the Me'arat Machpela, and he bought it what? Kesita. So now we know the, the what it means. Danke. It means he spent a hundred danke. Danke is another word for ma'a. So therefore now we now we know what the pasuk is. We didn't know what Kesita was. But if you tell me Kesita is ma'a, 
So we know Ma'az Danke, and that's, what, that's how much he spent. So therefore we know it's enough coming out for a perush of a pasuk in the Torah. Furthermore, the Gemara says, Amarabi, Kesha'alakti the Karkayam, when I went to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, to the islands, Hayu kori lemechira kira. They called, uh, My, 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 my correction, Abotai. Correction. The me'akasita is when um, uh, the Torah is telling us when Yaakov came to the city of Shechem. That's when he bought the me'akasita. He bought a plot from Shechem be'akasita. The next Gemara is the Marata Machpela. So Mechila, the kasita is when Yaakov bought a plot from Shechem. Now we get to the next one. When he went to Karkayam, this is the B. Ayu kurin le mechira kira. A purchase, selling, would be called kira. The mind of kamina, the ferushev, then we are to learn the pasuk in the Torah. Asher kariti li. When Yosef is talking about how his father bought the marat machpila, it says that Yaakov in, in his own words said, Asher kariti li, that I bought. Remember, he bought the marat from Esav. So asher kariti li, now we know what the word kariti means. Not that I dug or something else. Kariti meaning asher, that I bought in order to be buried there. Amar Bishmon ben Lakish, kishalakti letchum kan nishraya. It's a place. Hayu korin lekala ninfe. They would call a bride ninfe. Resembles the Greek word nymphe, which is a young bride. Ultanegol sechvi, and they call the rooster a sechvi, like we say in the morning. How do you know kalan ninfe? Where do you see that a bride is called ninfe? That comparing the uh, the beauty of Yerushalayim to like a bride. Yefe nof nof ninfe. That Yerushalayim is beautiful like a bride. Ultan negol sechvi. How do you know the rooster is called a sechvi? Amar Yehuda Marav veiba et emar be Yeshua ben Levi. As the pasuk says, meekera mi shat batuchot hokma uminatan la sechvi bina. What is this referring to? Mi shat batuchot hokma. Where did who placed in a smooth? Uh, uh, one's wisdom, what's that smooth part where wisdom is? Elukilayot, that's the kidneys. Two kidneys are smooth, it's referring to that's the seed of wisdom in a person's body. And who gave the sechvi, which is this tannegol, that he can discern the moment between, you know, morning and dawn, you know, dawn, when dawn comes, which is really not visible to the naked eye. Who's that? The sechvi bina is tannegol. Levi, Okay, Levi once got to a certain locality. A guy came up to him. Amarle, and he tells him the following. So and so was kavat me. Now he didn't know what kavat meant. So what did he do? He went to the Bet Midrash. Amrule gazlan amalecha. Kava means to steal. So basically he was saying, so-and-so robbed me. 
Dikhtiv, as the Pasuk says, Hayikbar Adam Elohim. Can a person rob something from God? So Rabbah tells Rav uh, Asher, uh, if I was there, I would have figured it out a different way. You don't have to come to the Bet Midrash. You could have figured it out by asking him some questions. I would have asked him, I would have asked him, hey, how were you, uh, how did he kovaya you? With what did he kovaya you? And, you know, why did he do it? And then, based on his answers, from the context, I'd be able to figure out what exactly it meant. So why didn't he ask him some questions? Because he thought, the EU Savan, Levi thought, Miltad Isura Ka'amar. He thought that it's immorality. So-and-so was kavat me, it's like some type of immoral act. So he didn't want to get into the details of it, he didn't want to hear it. So therefore, he didn't ask too many questions to pry on something that he thought was an immoral, illicit uh, relation. Okay, now the governor says, We see that word in the Mishnah a lot of times. For example, <clears throat> if a person reads the Megillah, Megillat Esther, Besirugin. So they didn't know what that word means. One day, They heard the maidservant of Rabbi's household. That seems the maidservant of Rabbi's household was an expert in language. And they heard her once, and what was she saying? The Hazat Nehu Rabbanan, she saw the rabbis entering Rabbi's Shi'ud. They were entering the house intermittently, meaning slowly. How long are you going to enter in this Sirugin fashion, which means slowly, intermittently, pausing? Now they understood what the Mishnah meant. Why? Don't read the Megillah in pauses, which means if you have a long pause, it can render the Megillah uh, unfit. You cannot read it in long pauses. So they understood what the Mishnah meant. And what was she saying? Bitul Torah. Everybody coming at one time. If you guys are coming in intermittently, the rabbi can't start the Shi'ur. The voice came and rebuke. Until when are you going to enter the Shi'ur? Sirugin, Sirugin. Please enter all at one time. Okay, the rabbis did not know what this terminology is, haloglogot. Now, what do you have to know what haloglogot is? It seems that if a person is a zav or a zaba, uh, they shouldn't eat certain, uh, certain foods because that can cause the person to have a, uh, a, a discharge. So therefore, but they didn't know what this food was. Yomahad, one day, again, they heard the maidservant of Rabbi, the Hazit Lahu Gavra, the Kami Badad, Parfahine, that he was scattering something called Parfahine. It's a type of herb. Amrale, Admatai, Atam, Fazer, Haloglogecha. So they understood that it's a special type of herb. Loabuyat Era Banan, my Salseleha. This is a pasuk referring to the Torah. Salseleha, do something to the Torah. Salseleha. And what? It will elevate you. They don't know what that word means, Salseleha. So they heard the maidservant of Rabbi's house. There was a certain <coughs> fellow that was curling his hair. So this maidservant of Rabbi said, Amraleh. 
Mesearecha. Oh, so they learned what? It means to curl. And in the Torah sense, it means salsela, curl it, means study it. Turn the Torah over and over again. Utro memeka, and ultimately it will elevate you. The rabbis did not know what the pasuk meant. That's a tongue twister, Rabotai. Again, we read this pasuk. They didn't know what that word meant. So it says, heard the maid servant of the bee's house. She told the friend, take the broom and go sweep up the house. And therefore God is going to destroy like somebody that sweeps away. They didn't know how to learn the Pasuk, what it meant. Which means, uh, cast on Hashem, they don't know what that word means, Yehavecha. And God will sustain you. One day, so I was traveling with a certain Arab merchant. And I was carrying a load. Take off your yehav, which is a load. And throw it on my camel. So basically the Pasuk is saying, Take your load. And put it on God, which means all the troubles you have, whether it's Pamnasa or your bills, take your burdens and let God carry them. Put all your uh, load on God and your burdens, and He will take care of you. Okay, Rabbi now we go to the next Mishnah. <clears throat> now we're going to discuss the shape of the shofar. There's two shapes of a shofar. Either it could be straight, or it could be bent. Shofar of Rosh Hashanah, the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah, Shel Ya'el Pashut. So Ya'el is a wild goat. That doesn't have to be of a wild goat. That's just an example of a straight Shofar. So Tanakhama says what? The Shofar of Rosh Hashanah is straight. Now we're talking about over here, the Shofar that they actually use in the Beit HaMikdash. Because look at the next line in the Mishnah. Ufiv zahav. And the lip of the shofar is plated in gold. That's amazing. It's a beautiful shofar. Now, it's not considered a hatzitzah because the sound is not coming from that part. He's just putting his, his mouth there, but it's on the outside. It's not considered a uh, hatzitzah. Interesting. When they blew the shofar in the Beit HaMikdash, there was actually two guys standing with trumpets on each side of the tokeya. And they would blow the three instruments simultaneously, but the shofar <coughs> would be blown longer. Why? Because the mitzvah that day is the shofar. So they wanted the people to hear the shofar alone. So they blew to hasosrot with a shofar, and then they uh, told the guy who's blowing the shofar to make it a little longer. Look at Nashi. Shofar ma'arich. Shofar ma'arich le'achar she'hasosrot poskim tekiatan. Shmako ha'shofar. Very good. That's the law of the Beit HaMikdash. So we learned a lot of Hadushime. Golden shofar to hasosrot. 
Now we discuss the shofar that was blown on fast days. On a shofar, it was a male from a male. That's not the point. The point is kifufin. It's got to be a bent shofar. Again, on fast days, they used to blow the shofar as well. And it was plated with silver. And they had two horns, trumpets, in the middle. Shofar mekatser, the shofar actually would blow a short sound. In this case, on the ta'aniyot, asosrot would blow the long sound. Because the mitzvah on ta'aniyot is, utkatem ba'asosrot. She mitzvah ta'yon, ba'asosrot. Now, look at uh, Rashi. Ushte ha'asosrot be'emsa. Ah, so Rashi says a hadushia. That there was two shofarot also on a ta'anit. So it's two shofarot and two hasosrot. The shofarot would stand on the outside and the two hasosrot in the middle. So again, you have a shofar, two hasosrot, and a shofar. Now the Gemara comes up, the says, Shaveh a Yovel Rosh Hashanah. Yovel is identical to Rosh Hashanah in what sense? La teki'ah, regarding the way we blow, the sounds that we blow, the amount of sounds that we blow. For the Berachot, and for the Berachot, which Berachot are we talking about? Rashi says, Shaveh. Shaveh ha-yobel Rosh Hashanah l'tikiyah, v'pishutin. V'afa agav t'tikiyah toba yobel lo l'tifilah v'lo l'zikaron ela l'siman shiluah habadim v'ashmatat b'chalat z'adot. Why are you blowing, blowing shofar on Yom Kippur yobel? It's got nothing to do with kapara. It's not a tefilah. It's just a sign that the slaves actually should go free, and that uh, the fields return to their original owners. But nonetheless, there is a gezira shabash shibi'i shibi'i, and we learn from there that all the blowings of the month of the seventh month, which is the Shri, are going to be the same. And therefore, what do we, what do we say in the Mishnah? Shavea yobel Rosh Hashanah le'teki'ah. It's a straight horn, like you just said, Rashi. Use a straight horn for Rosh Hashanah. Use a straight horn for Yovel. Vele Berachot. Okay, Hedush. And you also have to pray nine Berachot, like we pray in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. Malchiyot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. You pray nine Berachot also in the... Yom Kippur of Yobel. So that's that opinion. That, that was, that's very important to remember this. There's a very important Gezerah Shavah between Yovel and Rosh Hashanah. And the Mishnah is saying the Nafkamina, the type of Shofar you use, a straight one in both, and the Berachot. So the Mishnah says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Berosh Hashanah tokim b'shel zecharim, that on Rosh Hashanah you blow uh, the male, the male one. Now again, what does the male one mean? The point is um, that it's bent. And on your veil, it's the horn of a goat, which is straight, which means over here. On Rosh Hashanah bent, your veil straight. Obviously, he does not have the Gezerah Shabbat. Because if he had the Gezerah Shabbat, it would sound like you're blowing the same type of Shofar. So we have over here 
Rashi, by the way, points that out. He doesn't have Gezerah Shavah. So Rabotai, we have a fantastic Ma'loket. What type of Shofar do we blow on Rosh Hashanah? Straight or bent? Now we have to try to figure out what this Ma'loket is based on. And Yovel, one rabbi has a Gezerah Shavah. And therefore, once already we say Yovel is straight, we're going to say Rosh Hashanah is straight. The other rabbi will say, no, no Gizra Shava, Rosh Hashanah is going to be bent, and uh, you are able to straight. So we have to see now what this is based on. Amar Bilevi. Now let's see the Bilevi. I think this is going to be a third sheet, Tana Botai. So let's, uh, let's try to understand it. There you go. We didn't see this opinion yet. He holds that both Rosh Hashanah and Yobel are bent Shofarot. We had no opinion like that in our Mishnah. We had either both straight or Rosh Hashanah bent and Yovel straight. Now we're saying both bent. And the rest of the year, meaning on fast days, it's going to be Peshutin. I guess you have to make a difference between Fast days and all the other days. So to show a chiluk between them, they make it straight. Rashi, v'shel kol hashana shel ta'aniyot. Hazaku baruch. Now the Gemara says v'hatenan, but we learned in the Mishnah shofar shel rosh hashana shel yael pashut, which means why does he say that it's bent? Rabotai, why does he say it's bent? The Mishnah said that Rosh Hashanah is Ya'el Pashut. I mean, I don't know what the question is. Maybe he's going like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said in our Mishnah that Rosh Hashanah is actually bent. I guess the Gemara is assuming, why did he go against Tanakama? That must be the question. <clears throat> Which means, again, you're asking a question. Oh... You said that Rosh Hashanah has got to be bent. Our Mishnah said straight. Yeah, that was one opinion in our Mishnah. But the Biudah and the Mishnah said bent. So the question is, why is he going against the consensus of the Mishnah? Meaning, Tanakama. The Gemara says, Hu ki hai tana. <coughs> Levi actually is following a different Tana. Not from our Mishnah, but from a Baraita. The Tanya... Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Berosh Hashanah Yutukhim, Beshir Zecharim Kefufim. That on Rosh Hashanah they would actually blow Kefufim. Ubi Yoblot, Beshel Ya'ilim. And on Yoblot they would actually blow straight. So he's following the Braita in the name of Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yehuda actually said that Rosh Hashanah is bent. Which, by the way, a little strange here, because this opinion is actually the Rabbi Yehuda of Amishnah as well. Rabbi Yehuda and Amishnah also said that Rosh Hashanah is bent and Yovel is Kippur is straight. What is the Gemara bringing over here that he goes like the Yehuda of the Braita?
Because the Braita is stronger than the Mishnah, they say. Why? Because the Braita says, He's telling you what he actually did. So it's like a Maaseh. The Mishnah just says, Halakha. The Braita says, They did it. So therefore he says, what do you want from me? I got a Braita that not only goes like the Behuda, but it says that was the practice, which is stronger than the Mishnah. Now, granted, he's really not going like the Behuda exactly. Because the Behuda said that on Rosh Hashanah they blow bent, and on Yovel they blow straight. And Levi uh, said that both of them are bent. So the Gemara said, If you're going like the Behuda, just tell me, Halakha's like the Behuda. If you would have told me I would have thought even like what he says by Yovel. And that you should use a straight shofar. No. That he holds like the only by shofar of Rosh Hashanah. But not what he holds by shofar of Kippur. So it comes out of Botai. We have three shitot in this Gemara, we have either the Shita that we just quoted of Levi that says bent, bent, or we have the Shita of Tanakama that says straight, straight, or we have the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda that says bent, straight, Rosh Hashanah being first, Kippur being second. So we have three Shitot. Now the Gemara explains the Mahloket. Bemai Kamepligi. What is the Mahloket? Between the rabbis of Amishnah, Mor Sabar Biuda says, "Rosh Hashanah kamad chayif inish datem." A person has to bow his mind on Rosh Hashanah. You have to be bent on Rosh Hashanah, and therefore bent shofar. Why do you have to be bending your mind? Which means it sounds like bending your body. I'm assuming. Let's read Rashi. Kamad chayif inish. Kamad chayif inish betefilato panab kibushin aaret. Oh, stop right there. Stop right there. So therefore, on Rosh Hashanah, you're bent. Why? Your mind is in tefillah, you're subjugated. That she also mentions, <coughs> reminds of the Akedat Yitzhak, which I guess he was bound on the Mizbeah as well. So therefore, we, we pray in a Bent uh, position. When it comes to Yovlot, freedom is something that is straight. He's proud. He's confident. He's going free there, Evid. So therefore, he's not bent on that day. Adrabah, he gets his confidence back. So therefore, on Yovel, you blow a straight, straight uh, horn. That's the logic of the Biyuda. And obviously, he does not have the Gezerah Shabbat. He does not have the Gezerah Shabbat. That's the Tana of Rabbi Yehuda. I'm reading the Gemara. Kamad the Pashit Inish Dateh. Straight. What does it mean straight? The person is being free. So it's appropriate to blow a straight horn. Umar Sabah. What does Tana Kamah hold? Beroja Shana Kamad the Pashit Inish Dateh. Tefeh Ma'aleh. Rosh Hashanah is the opposite. A person should be straight on Rosh Hashanah. Why should he be straight? The physical posture should be straight. Rashi, kama de pashit tefe adif. Mishum nisa le babenu el kapayim. Hilkach be Rosh Hashanah be tzutin. 
דלת תפילה ודיום הכיפורים נאמן משום דשביה בגזרה שווה. סתם פייטר. So you're telling me that on Rosh Hashanah you got to pray, which means, of course we know it's a, it's, 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 it's a day of prayer, but you have to pray straight. I, your broken, brokenness or humbleness should be in your heart. Now, once you say that Rosh Hashanah you play, pray in a straight position, and you have a Gezerah Shabbat, so that makes your veil also straight. Straight, straight. Now once you say... Rosh Hashanah is straight, and your veil is straight, we have no choice but to make Ta'aniyot bent. So we'll have a difference. That's what Ashish says. Good. So therefore, that's Tanakama. Let's review Tanakama Rabotai. Tanakama is straight, straight, because of Gezerah Shabbat, and Ta'anit bent. So Rosh Hashanah, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is what? Bent. Why? Tefillah needs to be bent. But he doesn't have the Gezerah Shabbat. So therefore, your veil can be straight. My mistake. Rabbi Yehuda said, my mistake, both of them are bent. Why? Because he holds like Tanakama. And therefore, I'm sorry, that's Levi, Levi. Not Rabbi Yehuda, Levi, Levi, Levi. Levi says both of them are bent. Why are they bent? Because he holds that, uh, like Rabbi Yehuda, that Tefillah needs bent. And Yom Kippurim, he holds like that, Shaveh Yovel Rosh Hashanah, because of the Gezerah uh, Shabbat. And therefore, both of us. So we have three basic shitot. I review them again. Tanakama is what? Straight, straight. Because he has a Gezerah Shabbat. And the Yehuda came along and said, no, no Gezerah Shabbat. Rosh Hashanah, Kafuf. And what? Yovel, straight. That's the Tana of the Mishnah. Like we saw in the Mishnah, the Yehuda says, and then we have Levi, bent, bent. Those are the three she taught. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.